I don't know about you, but um, these days I've been hearing the phrase, um, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. You are familiar with that phrase? Um, you know, it's, it's a song. It's, it's also a movie. But, you know, even more than uh, that, I've been hearing that phrase repeated um, more and more this past year. And I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe I've just been more tuned into it. But I also wonder if it's because more and more people are trying to convince themselves that during these difficult days that we've been going through, that Christmas is, um, is what they've been hoping for, what they've been waiting for. Some of you are here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you say, you know, Christmas is a wonderful time, and life is good, and you have your health and, and uh, family, and you anticipate a fun time of, of Christmas celebration. Others of you, your experience is not so positive. You say life is not really all that fair. It's too hard. Um, instead of celebration, you anticipate ongoing pain during this Christmas season. And then there are those, I, I know of you that are there um, here this morning that are fairly cynical uh, about the whole thing. Um, the society, as you look around, it seems to go back and forth um, uh, like waves on a seashore. You look around, you see life, it, it, it feels crazy. Um, uh, people seem to be more and more self-centered. And so you go through the motions of Christmas. Yes, you go through the motions, but, but you go through those motions while quietly thinking to yourself, um, is there any hope? In this world? I want to make the case that this week's name for Jesus, the bright morning star, is a name that reminds us that indeed we have hope. There is hope. It's a name that tells us that even while we're going through this season, especially maybe while we're going through the season, we can sing joy to the world and, and tidings of comfort and joy. Each week, if you haven't been with us, we have been going through this Advent season. We've been taking a deep dive into some of the names that Jesus has been given in the New Testament. A variety of names. We started the first week looking at the, the title, The Word, which comes out of John chapter 1, verse 1 2. Then we looked at the next week, we looked at the, the, the title, Chief Cornerstone. And then last week, um, we looked at, at the name of Bridegroom. This morning, our fourth uh, Advent uh, Sunday morning, we are going to look at a very strange name, a different name, a name that we oftentimes don't even uh, remember. It's a name that comes at the very end of the Bible, the bright morning star. I invite you to turn with me to Revelation 22 this morning, Revelation 22. Here in Revelation 22, verse 16. This is what Jesus says. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. <laughs> um, all human beings, if we haven't discovered this, all human beings are hope-based creatures. Um, I mean, it's tough to live, even, 
even to make it through one day uh, without hope. Have you discovered that? Studies show hopeful college kids get better GPAs and are more likely to graduate. Hopeful athletes perform better on the field. They cope better with with injuries that they experience. They have a greater mental adjustments when situations in their life changes. Dr. Shane Lopez, a psychologist who is widely regarded as one of the world's leading researchers on this topic, this issue of hope, claims that, see, hope isn't just an emotion, uh, but rather it's an essential uh, life tool that each of us have, need. In fact, he says, hope, uh, humans seek after hope like moths seek after light. It's intrinsic to who we are. This title here for Jesus is a title, I think, that gives us hope. It comes at the end of uh, the book of Revelation. And it's interesting to know that we really don't find this title for Jesus anywhere, in the New, anywhere else in the New Testament. It's just here. You understand, Revelation was written by the Apostle John um, near the end of the first century to the Christian uh, churches in seven towns of Asia Minor. Revelation was written at a time when believers were increasingly dealing with persecution. I mean, the Roman Empire was, was in control, right? And the pressure to worship the emperor was continuing to increase. So if you were a Christian, you were required to make that fateful choice, right? Between worshiping uh, Caesar or worshiping Christ. And if you made the wrong choice, (laughs) that could mean suffering. It could mean imprisonment. It could mean quite possibly death. What those believers needed as they were reading this, this letter, this book of Revelation, what they needed most then was what I think you and I, all of us need. That is hope. Which raises the question before we get into this too far is what is biblical hope? What, what's, what's hope? And how do you keep it alive, that hope, in a year like we've had in 2021? Or the next year, 2022, or beyond. How do you keep hoping? I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, in the 1960 film, Pollyanna starred Haley Mills, and the lead's character, as a full name, was Pollyanna Whittier. After the death of her parents in this story, um, uh, Pollyanna went to live with her wealthy but rather unpleasant aunt, Aunt Polly in Vermont. The approach that Pollyanna took to life was a highly optimistic one, to say the least. Um, um, She called it the glad game. According to the rules of the, the glad game that she came up with, regardless of the circumstances in which you find yourself, you must always find something to be glad about. Always find the silver lining, in other words. Pollyanna first thought of that game when instead of a doll for Christmas, <laughs> she ended up um, with only a pair of crutches for Christmas. So she made up the game on the spot. 
determined to look on the bright side of things. In this case, she was glad she decided that she had crutches because she didn't need to use them. (laughs) And that was something to be glad about. Playing the glad game is the only thing that enabled her to make it through those living circumstances that she was in. Now, admittedly, that that was just a movie. I mean, it was a a fun, creative, uh, lighthearted story. But let me ask you something. Is that the kind of hope that a Christian is supposed to have? Is that a biblical hope? Does God ask us to play our version, you know, of the glad game? in order to cope and survive in a fallen and uh, messed up, corrupt world when we encounter adversity, when we encounter heartache. Although we can commend Pollyanna for not complaining, (laughs) the glad game, I got to tell you, is a far cry from authentic biblical hope. Biblical hope isn't wishful thinking or a, a positive feeling or even... Uh, dependent upon how much faith you might have. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope, it's never just pulled out of thin air. No, biblical hope is based on who God really is, that God really is there. It's based on a particular uh, history with God, a history that gives us glimpses of God's character and provides us reasons why we should trust God and place our hope in him. Hope is not a, hope's an act of um, trust in the bedrock promises of God. A God who does not change, a God who is always faithful, a God whose word does not change, his promises do not change. For the follower of, of Jesus, let me tell you, even when there's no visible sign, see, our hope begins with God's promises. Here's how Eugene Peterson described it. He said, hope is not about the future. Hope is about the present. It obviously has to do with the future, but it's a virtue which is cultivated in the present. It fills the present with energy. It, It connects the two comings of Jesus so that we can now participate in them. We're not just remembering one and believing in the other. No, we are participating in the continuity of the comings. In other words, Advent, what we're in right now, Advent, like hope, is all about the now and not yet principle. (laughs) Now and not yet. Which brings us back to our passage here in Revelations 22. You'll notice that... There's two names um, that um, we're given in this verse for Jesus. The first name is, uh, Jesus says, I am the root and descendant of David. And then there's the second name, the bright morning star. Both of those titles tell us that Jesus is our hope. It's also interesting to note um, that there are only two times in the Bible that Jesus identifies himself by using that name Jesus. Do you realize that? Back on the road to Damascus, remember this? Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. (laughs) And then the second time is right here. 
At the end of scripture, in Revelation, when Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you uh, about these things for, Jesus, or for the church. So, catch this. Here we have Jesus himself giving us these two names. And both of these names have their origins in Old Testament prophecies. When Jesus says, I am the root and descendant of David, he's referring back to the prophecy out of Isaiah chapter 11. Um, in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 11, God promises this. He says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Then later on in that same chapter, chapter 11, Isaiah 11 verse 10, Isaiah once again refers to the coming Messiah, and he says um, uh, he will be the root of Jesse. The coming Messiah will be the root of Jesse. So we have to ask, well, who's this, who's this Jesse? Well, <laughs> if you're familiar with the Old Testament, Jesse was David's father. And David was the king who inaugurated a royal dynasty of uh, 20 kings that ruled over 500 plus years until Jerusalem fell in 586 B.C. And then after Jerusalem fell, Israel had no more kings. That was the stump. To the Jews of that day, they could not see past that stump. <laughs> the Davidic royal household had been chopped down. But then, catch this, God gives hope. After 600 years, a king is born from Jesse's long dormant stump. Both Mary and Joseph, descendants of David, are forced by Roman decree to return to Bethlehem, the home of Jesse. And Jesus is born. Jesus is the shoot which comes from the long dormant stump of Jesse, the root and descendant of David. Scott McKnight writes, um, yellow is not my favorite color, but now that I know the story of Vincent van Gogh, I've come to value yellow differently. The famous Dutch painter sadly tossed away the truth imparted to him in his Christian home and sank into depression and destruction. By the grace of God, as he later began to embrace the truth again, his life took on hope, and he gave that hope color. The best-kept secret of Van Gogh's life is that the truth he was discovering is seen in the gradual increase of the presence of the color yellow in his paintings. Yellow evoked for him the hope and warmth of the truth of God's love. In one of his depressive periods, seen in the famous Starry Night painting, one finds a yellow sun and yellow swirling stars because Van Gogh thought truth was present only in nature. Tragically, as you can see in this painting, the church, which stands tall here and should be the house of truth, is about the only item in the painting that shows no traces of yellow. But by the time that he painted the raising of Lazarus, his life was on the mend as he began to face the, the truth about himself. And this entire painting is uh, blindedly bathed in yellow. 
In fact, Van Gogh put his own face on Lazarus to express his hope in the resurrection. And interesting. Listen, I don't know, as you look out into your world, if there's any yellow in it. Maybe your world is filled with just dead stumps. And I don't know if it feels like to you as though there's no, you know, birds flittering around, as though there's only a barren land as far as you can see. But I want you to remember. Remember what God did to that dead piece of wood. On one Christmas morning, some 2,000 years ago, God had a, a shoot that break, uh, broke forth in the humblest of settings, in that, in that cattle barn, through a virgin named Mary. God brought forth a king from David's line, and his name is Jesus. The shoot that rises from the stump of Jesse brings life in death. Life begins all over again because of the truth of God's love for us. Each one of us, whether with actual yellows or, or metaphorical yellows, can begin to paint our lives with a fresh hope of a new beginning because of Jesus, the root and descendant of David's. But see, now, that's only one title that Jesus gives himself in our verse. Jesus then gives us that second title. Um, I am the bright morning star. So you say, well, okay, Sutton, what does that mean? <laughs> bright morning star. Again, we have to go to the Old Testament, I think, to, to help us discover that. This time to a unique prophecy out of uh, Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17. Understand, back in Numbers 24, Balaam, who is a non-Israelite prophet, speaks words that God has specifically given him. And he says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now, Balaam is looking down the corridors of time, and, and, and he sees the one who will appear will, will change the course of history. He identifies this person as a star and as a scepter. Throughout history, ancient history, the, the, the uh, star symbolized royalty, and a, a scepter um, indicated, recognized the image of a, of a ruler. This star would be a king. And you have to understand that message of Balaam, it lit a flame of, of hope in the life of the Israelite people. Their Messiah would, would come. <laughs> Although at that point in time, they had in mind, when Balaam gave that prophecy, they just had in mind the conquest of the promised land. The message of Balaam pointed them to a greater and future, better ideals. It pointed them to the not yet hope of the future. And now Jesus says here at the end of the scripture in Revelation 22, he says, I am that bright morning star. I am the hope that you're waiting for. I don't know, this morning, if you were up early enough to see the, the, the sun begin to rise. <laughs> um, I was, I typically am on Sunday mornings and, and saw the, just the glow of uh, 
the pink glow of the, of the sun rising. Have you ever gotten up and you know, watched the sunrise? It's awe-inspiring, isn't it? Singer-songwriter Sandra McCracken shares how a bright morning sunrise changed her perspective one day. She writes this, One morning I boarded an early flight to Florida for a music gig. My mind scrolled through the usual anxieties like old tapes on repeat. From the west-facing window, I found myself ruminating over some of the troubling circumstances that were pending resolution. It was dark as we ascended through the heavy clouds. Most of the window shades were closed in the cabin. A little time passed, and someone on the left side of the plane opened their shade across the aisle from me. The morning sun shot a blaze of pink light across my face. And the sunlight lifted my spirits. I looked back to see the view out the west side of the window, and it remained predominantly dark. I'd been so wrapped up in my tiny scope of vision that I hadn't realized that the sun had crept up over the horizon. While one side of the aircraft was glowing with light, the other side was still in the shadows. Perspective as a way of shifting our experience. Jesus says, listen, I am the bright morning star whose second coming will mark the dawn of a new day and of a new creation. It's a sunrise that changes our perspective and gives us hope, uh, this um, kind of kingdom that we all yearn for but is not yet here. When Jesus lived on earth, he made the blind to see and the lame walk. But one day, he will return to rule over a kingdom that will have no disease, no disability. On earth, he died and he was resurrected. But listen, at his return, death will be no more. On earth, he cast out demons, but at his return, he will destroy the evil one. On earth, he came as this baby born in a manger, but one day he will return as that bright morning star. The kingdom that Jesus set in motion on earth was not the end. It was only the beginning of the end. So I think many these days have lost sight of the hope of the second coming of Jesus. There's an emphasis on the now over the not yet. Few of us think on a regular basis on the hope of Jesus' return. Listen, hope that does not look over the horizon of life is not Christian hope at all. It's more like, you know, secular humanism with a, a twist of Christianity added to it. <laughs> As Paul puts it, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all we are, of all people, most to be pitied. See, while our secular world um, has put its hope in politics and in science, education, technology, a rising standard of, of living, the New Testament, I got to tell you, it's saturated with hope 
of Jesus' return. I mean, you look and you turn the pages of the New Testament and every page is, is indicating and, 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 and hoping for the return of Jesus. <laughs> and as much as we applaud and we do that and partner and we do that with those around us in attempts to alleviate suffering through human effort and those things, as I said, they're, they're good, but they cannot bring about the kingdom of God. Humanity cannot self-save. We can't save the world. We can't even save our, ourselves because, listen, we need to be saved from the world and we need to be saved from ourselves. No politician or policy or app or pill or, or substance can do that. Jesus is our Savior. And he came, friends, on Christmas morning and we can and should celebrate that fact. But let me remind you that the bulk of our salvation is yet to come. That's our hope. That's the invitation of Advent. It's an invitation of Jesus' name, the bright morning star, to set our hope back on Jesus As most of you know, our daughter's name is Hope. <laughs> um, Becky and I decided on that name for her because it was Hope that carried us through our struggles with infertility. When we finally made the decision to adopt uh, this little girl from China, Hope that we would be parents one day began to creep in our lives. <laughs> When we finally got all of our paperwork into our adoption agency, uh, we waited. Um, once a week on Fridays, we would call into our adoption hotline to get an update. Which travel group had received their names, um, the names and pictures of their, of their girls, which groups were, were next in line, which group was ready to go. All of that was on that um, uh, called-in you know, audio tape. It all started with travel group number one. We were in travel group number nine. Still remember it. Still remember it. Every week we would call in to that hotline and our hope would just, just edge up just a little bit more. Hope is good, isn't it? But I got to tell you, it changes us. Once a week, Becky's and... <laughs> My heart would pound with this wild enthusiasm as we listened to the recorded message. Our hope uh, opened us up to more joy and delight and adventure than I ever thought possible. But I also have to admit that hope opened up my heart to the ache of waiting and longing. Every week until Friday, I mean, it, it, every week it seemed to just go by so slow. Time seemed to be endless. The wheels of that year turned with creaking slowness. Hope didn't resolve attention. <laughs> In fact, hope uh, increased the tension. <laughs> That's what hope does, friends. It always draws a picture of a beautiful and good future, and then it says, It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It'll be yours. The one promised is faithful and true, but listen, you have to wait for it. 
Of course, true hope eventually leads to fulfillment, right? As the Bible promises, hope, as opposed to, <laughs> to wishful thinking, does not disappoint. It was the week of Thanksgiving. I remember this. Uh, we received the call on Monday of Thanksgiving that our packet was in. And we could go pick it up at the agency and find out about our new daughter. Immediately, I mean, we dropped everything and we, and we drove over to St. Paul. We couldn't wait and, to get our first look at Hope's picture. And they had a little post-it note over her face. They told you, don't look at that before you've really read through all the details. Forget that. We ripped off that. We ripped off that post-it note. Saw a picture of our daughter for the first time. A month and a half later, we had hope in our arms. Our daughter, Hope, was the answer to our hope. But I got to tell you, as wonderful as that was, and it was great, a greater hope is what we have in Jesus Christ. His name is a bright morning star. He came at Christmas, and he has promised that he will come again, marking the dawn of a new day and a new creation. We have to wait with hope, with anticipation. He's the hope of all mankind. I pray that we all might set our hope on him. I want to invite you this morning as the orchestra is coming up and getting set to lead us in a last uh, Christmas carol, I want to invite you just to quiet your hearts, respond to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you this morning. Um, where have you set your hope these days? Take some time. To prepare, just take some time to meditate on the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope that you gave us in your son, Jesus Christ, born on Christmas Day. We celebrate that day. We celebrate his birth. We also look forward to celebrating his return. You are the bright morning star. We look forward with great anticipation to your coming again and making things right. And adding and 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 setting up, establishing your rule. God, we look forward to that day with great hope. In your son's precious name, we pray these things.